for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks. I want to talk to you today out of the series that we've been in called Commissioned Community of Worship on Mission. I'm sorry. Community on Mission. What is it to be commissioned? And why are we commissioned? The Bible says that we have been given a mission and that that mission is singular. And when I say we, I don't mean us individually. I mean the Big C Church cumulatively has been given a singular mission and purpose. Does anybody remember what that singular mission and purpose is? To make disciples. I don't care what your logo says. I don't care what the sign above your church says. I don't care what denomination you belong to. If this is the guiding text for all that you do, then you have a singular purpose. And that singular purpose is to make disciples. I could prove this to you in Scripture in the Great Commission or what we know as the Great Commission. We read this in Matthew chapter 28. It says, all authority, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples and the people that were around at the time of his ascension. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, I need you to pay attention to this. This is important. Making disciples and just leaving them by themselves is not what we're called to do. We are called to make disciples, to mark disciples in water baptism, to mature them by teaching all that we know or all that we've been instructed, and multiply them as we continue until the time that he comes back. So when I say make disciples, I mean this four discipleship, 4M discipleship process. Make, mark, mature, and multiply. This is what we, the church, have been called to do. You know what separates us from the YMCA or separates us from the Red Cross or separates us from Goodwill or any other thing that may exist for the purpose of making people's lives better? We understand that the only way we can truly make someone's life better is to make their eternity better. And the only way we can ensure that we make their eternity better is to declare the gospel to them, to make disciples to them, mark them according to that discipleship, teach them all that the word has to say, and then continue to teach them all that the word has to say through force multiplication, generational multiplication, so that our children's children, children, should the Lord tarry, no God too. Amen? Everything else is irrelevant. This is the significant marker of the church. Everything the church does should be processed through this commission. Are we going to do outreach in this area? I don't know. Does it assist in making disciples? 
Are we going to give to this organization? I don't know. Does it assist in making disciples? I'll tell you, that's not made me a lot of friends. Because I have people all the time come up and say, hey, would you be willing to support such and such, our ministry? When in fact their ministry isn't a ministry at all, it's an opportunity to absorb volunteers and money so that they can grow their own organization, but not the kingdom of God. And I have to tell them no, and then I tell them exactly why I told them no, and they don't like that. But you know what? I don't care. I hope that you don't care because we've been called for one singular purpose. Do you know what that is? Make disciples. I believe if we didn't, if we weren't called to make disciples, Jesus would have killed us when he saved us because we will have been of no earthly good after that. That's a hard thing to say, but it's true. We have to be a community on mission in here so that we might be reach the community through our mission out there. Whatever happens in here is for the purpose of equipping and unifying so that we can accomplish what we're called to accomplish in the community out there, which is to do what? Make disciples. And I know I'm being repetitive, but I feel like, man, I just want to, I just want to take some people out of their chair and shake their head until their brain falls out of their eye socket or something. Because as often as I preach this, as often as I teach this, it seems as though it, it'll fall on deaf ears. And we just show back up next Sunday, but didn't produce any fruit from the Sunday before. Didn't have a single conversation about the Jesus that we say we love. Didn't talk to any person that we say we love, but instead determined that our comfort's more important than their eternity, so we don't make disciples the way the Lord tells us to. We have to be a people of mission, a community on mission. I hope that if you don't catch anything else that you catch the passion for other people that Jesus had. Amen? And so today I want to talk to you about living as a commissioned people. And I'm going to do that out of Matthew chapter 23, if you want to turn there. <coughs> I'm going to start. Jesus is, this is the infamous woe to you chapter where Jesus is saying to the scribes and the Pharisees over and over and over and over again, woe to you, which is essentially saying, judgment be unto you because you are lacking in these areas. But he starts with this, verses 1 through 7. He said, the scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Do you know what that means? When, I, when he, Jesus says he, they seat themselves in the chair of Moses, it says they assume authority that they don't have. So many Christians today even seat in the seat of sit themselves in the seat of Moses, assuming an authority you don't have. You walk in delegated authority, not authority. You need to understand that. The authority that you have was delegated to you. It did not start with you. You are given the authority of God according to the word of God to use for the purpose of glorifying God and proclaiming the name of Jesus. And if you're not doing those things, you've assumed authority that doesn't belong to you. Some of y'all look at me like I got three heads just then because you read the authority of the believer and you didn't understand that it's the delegated authority of the believer, not the authority of the believer. It's the authority of God given to the believer. <clears throat> That's a whole other thing. I don't have time for that rampant. 
rampage. The scribes and the Pharisees having seated themselves in the chair of Moses, therefore all that they will tell you, all that they tell you, do and observe, but do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and do not do them. So he calls them hypocrites. Do you know if you say something that you should do what it is you tell other people to do? If I tell you to come to church, but I don't come to church, then I'm a hypocrite. If I tell you to live righteously, but I don't live righteously, I'm a hypocrite. If I tell you to give and I don't give, I'm, I'm a hypocrite for not doing what I've told you to do. I live in hypocrisy. And the rest of the chapter, essentially, Jesus over and over and over again calls them hypocrites. Woe to you in verse 14. That is judgment unto you, hypocrites. Because you devour widows' houses, and a, for a pretense you make long prayers. Therefore you will receive greater condemnation. You victimize people who you should be taking care of while saying prayers that make you sound good. You could talk all you want to until you make your walk look like your talk. Your walk is irrelevant. And so is your talk because it's not going to produce anything except to condemn you. Woe be unto you, hypocrite. Amen? Y'all, I'm talking some pretty serious stuff today. He continues. In verse 15, he calls them hypocrites because they travel around on the sea and land to proselyte. That means to convert people. And when someone, when they do convert someone, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourself, which means you bind unnecessary things to them. You give them lists that aren't necessary. You heap condemnation on them. That's not our responsibility. It's God's responsibility to convict them. Our job is to create proselytes, to convert, to convert them, to tell them the gospel. Verse 23, Woe to you, judgment to you, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. People say, well, we're not supposed to tithe anymore. Jesus is saying, you are supposed to tithe. But you know what? It's not the biggest thing you need to be worrying about. You need to worry about the things that are heavier. You need to be merciful. You need to show justice. You need to love people. Can we just love people? Because if we can love people, the rest of it will fall, fall into place and fix itself. You know why I give? Because I love people. I don't give because God needs my money. I give, I give because it supports the function of the church, which is to create disciples, which causes people to, to leave their position of separate from God and become part of the family of God. That's why I give, because I have faith, and I have mercy towards them, and I have, and I want to see them face the perfect justice of God in a way that's not going to condemn them. Hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside full of robbery and self-indulgence. Verse 27, like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones and uncleanness. Over and over and over again, he's just saying, stop doing what you're doing. Be who you are, but be who God has called you to be. You wash the outside of your cup. You whitewash the, ins the outside of your tomb. What's he saying? He's saying, you do it everything you can in the world to make yourself look good. 
And I think to some degree this hits all of us. To some degree we're all, man, I'm doing everything I know how to do to make people happy. I'm doing everything I know how to do to ensure I don't cause a brother to stumble. I make sure everything I do exaggerates my relationship with other people that causes my reputation to be elevated. Well, that's not our purpose. Our purpose is to do everything necessary to ensure that God's reputation is increased. Wash yourself. Be clear. Be pure. Look good on the outside. But if you don't look good on the inside, it doesn't matter what your outside looks like. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> Live righteously. Be pure. Walk like you're supposed to walk according to the word, or it doesn't matter what your outside looks like. Your inside's still going to hell. Oh, Pastor Jim, that's ugly. No, that's the word. And I don't mean that as condemnation. I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit uses that truth for conviction. Because I love you. But in all of that, he tells us, you know what? They live as people who aren't commissioned, even though they have been commissioned. But let me tell you how to be commissioned. Let me tell you what it means to be a person commissioned to be on mission. And he says this. Back at chapter 23, I'm going to start at verse 8. He said, do not be called rabbi. For one, capital O, is your teacher. And you are all brothers. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one, capital O, is your father, he who is in heaven. Do not be called leaders, for one, capital O, is your leader, that is Christ Jesus. The reason I emphasize the capital O is because that one, that capitalization, indicates the Godhead. So there is one brother, there is one God, there is one leader, and you ain't it. You want to live as a person on commission? The first thing you need to do is understand that commissioned people know their role. More specifically, they know what their role isn't. Jesus isn't saying here that there aren't leaders. He isn't saying that we shouldn't call each other brothers. He isn't saying that we shouldn't call each other teachers because all of these things are, are spoken of in the Scripture. The fruits of the Spirit, or not the fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit include teaching. And if the gifts of the Spirit include teaching, then it should be okay for us to call one another teacher if someone's a teacher and give them the respect that they deserve due to the work that they put in. Jesus himself said that there are brothers. He said, if you believe in me and believe in the God who sent me, then you are what? Then you are a brother with me. And so it's not that we shouldn't call each other brother. It's not that we shouldn't call each other teacher. It's not that we shouldn't call each other any of these things. But we have to understand that we are not the one. Our role, whatever it is, was given to us for the purpose of clarifying his role, not ours. Because well, there is a teacher. And that teacher, according to the word of God, is the Holy Spirit. 
Because there is, according to the word of God, one Father, and that is God. According to the word, there is one leader, and that is Christ, according to Ephesians 1.22, the head of the church, the head of all things. And so we, our role, R-O-L-E, is to submit ourselves in love to the Holy Spirit, God, and Christ Jesus, completely and fully to the Godhead. You want to know what your role is? Do whatever it is God called you to do so that he might ultimately be glorified, and it's his glorification. Your life won't be hypocritical. It'll be a life that makes a difference in the lives of other people. Man, we need to grab a hold of that. Because so many of us determine that we want a platform or we want something. God didn't call us to any of that. God called us to be the through, not the two. And what I mean by that is he, he called us to be the one that calls people to God through us, to him. Through us, to him. My role is supplemental to God's role. It's through me. To him, your job is through you to him. Whatever God's called you to do, even if it's if it's a home key, homemaker, your job is to lead your children and your family through you to God as a husband, through you to God as a person in your workplace, through you to God as a person in the church, through you to God. I said something a couple weeks ago that a couple of y'all looked at me like I was crazy, but we want to take the Walmart bag and we want to hang it on a refrigerator. How many of y'all been grocery shopping this week? Right? You went to the grocery store, you put some groceries in it, you paid a lot of money, more about 30% more than you paid three years ago for those groceries. You put them in a plastic bag, you take them home, and then you took the groceries out, you threw them in the trash, and you put the bag in the refrigerator, right? No, that's stupid, but that's what we do in our religious walk. We determined to take what has been placed inside of us, throw it in the trash, and us just being the carrier of that which has been placed inside of us, determined to idolize that because we don't understand what our role is. Put the Walmart bag in the trash because at the end of your life, that's exactly where it's going anyway, and glorify God by, by sitting in the role that you're in. Have I lost anybody? How do I do that, Pastor Jim? I have to love them. I can't know my role if I don't know love. I am called to love people. You are called to love people. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says that without the motivation of love, nothing matters. I'm going I'm I'm to read this to you because I think it's that good. 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So Paul in the first verse is saying, it doesn't matter what I say. If I don't say it with the motivation of love, ain't nobody hearing nothing but a loud noise that's annoying anyway. Y'all know anybody like that? Always got something to say, never saying nothing. Yeah. Verse 2, if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but don't have love, I am nothing. So he said, it doesn't matter what I know. 
if what I know is for no other reason than to edify myself, but not to love someone else, it doesn't make any difference. Verse 3 says, and if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned but do not have love, it profits me nothing. So he says, whatever I give, even to my own body, even to, even to everything that I own, doesn't matter what I do. Without love, it means nothing. Our job is to love. Who are we supposed to love? The Bible says they'll know us by our Love, right? When I say us, what does it say specifically? It says that they will know that we are his disciples by our love. And so we're called to love, but that's the second commandment. That's not the first commandment. We're only capable of loving one another because we have an understanding of what love looks like because the primary commandment shows us what love looks like. And what's the primary commandment? What's the first commandment? The first greatest commandment. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then your neighbor as yourself. Amen? Know your role. Your role is not to puff yourself up. Our role is not to make ourselves more important or more significant or look better in the eyes of the public than we actually are. Sometimes it's okay to tell people, you know what, man, I'm, I'm jacked up as you are. The only thing I have that you don't have is a father who forgives me, a spirit that teaches me, and a leader who points me in the right direction. And I could tell you this, I could tell you how to how to have that which I have. But we have to love them according to the love we've been shown to even desire to do that. Amen. How do I do that? How do I show that kind of love? Because that kind of love is hard. I think the key is found in the next two verses. He says, but the greatest among you will be your servant. A person on commission has to serve others. This is the example we were given. Jesus himself said in 2028, Matthew just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Did you hear that? That's Jesus' purpose for coming to earth was to serve and give his life as a ransom. Can I, can I ask you a very probably pointed question, and I don't mean it for it to be condemning. But if Jesus spent his whole life serving and then ultimately came to be a sacrifice so that we could ultimately be in relationship with the Father, who are we to think we should do anything less? I want you to take that question. I don't need an answer to it. But it's a question worth meditating on. It's a question worth going home, laying in bed at night and asking yourself, do I serve the way that I should serve? And am I willing even to lay down my own life for the sake of serving? Because that's what Jesus did. That's what the apostles did. That's what hundreds of thousands of martyrs have done. Verse 4. 
but it starts with service. People crack me up, man. They'll tell me stuff like, now they, they may not come out and use these words, but this is what they're saying. I need a platform in the church. I need a position in the church. I need to feel important in the church. Let me tell you, if you want a platform, a position in a church, start with a job in a church. Clean a toilet. Vacuum the floor. Or at the very least, if you're walking through the sanctuary and you see something on the floor, stop and pick it up and put it in your pocket. I had a young man tell me one time when we first opened the church, he said, Pastor, I've been called to youth ministry. I said, all right. He goes, no, I mean, I, I was told by God to come here and tell you that I'm your new youth guy, which cracks me up. It's amazing how many people God talks to about what I should be doing. And I said, okay. I said, I'll tell you what. I said, I, I'm, not, I'm not even going to discount that. What I want you to do, though, is for the next, I mean, I, I want to say I gave him 90 days Three months or six months. I honestly don't remember how long now. I said, I'll tell you what. If you want to serve there, own the men's bathroom first for three months or six months, whatever the time was. I said, I want that bathroom to be absolutely immaculate. It should always have soap in it. It should always have paper towels. The toilet should be clean. The floor should be spotless. There should be toilet paper. There should be, make sure that the bathroom, the men's bathroom, is absolutely spotless. And then after that amount of time, we'll talk about whether or not you're called to be a worship leader. Because you've got to have a job in the church before you have a position in the church. That guy showed up twice. Never came back. God didn't tell him anything. And he certainly didn't use him to try to tell me anything. Y'all thinking, oh, Pastor, that's weird, man. It's just a bathroom. It's just a bathroom till you use it and realize there's no toilet paper. Then it becomes the only thing you want to talk to me about. <laughs> all right, not that there was a good sermon. Not none of that. It's just all. I love this. I step off this platform sometimes feeling pretty good about what how it went, you know. And somebody comes and says, I didn't hear anything you this has happened to me. I didn't hear anything you said today because it's too cold in here. It's like, <laughs> really, bro? My whole point is serve somewhere. Because Jesus served and gave his life up for us. Amen. And to do that, the next verse says we're to walk in humility. It's hard to clean a toilet if you're not humble. Let me tell you, it's hard to do this if you're not humble. Pastor Rick is on me all the time. You need to be, you need to work on your arrogance. I wasn't trying to be funny, man. But he's right. I do. And so does each of you. Because you ain't Jesus yet. What I have learned, and it's still learning, is that if I walk up here humble, I'll walk away from here proud. But if I walk up here proud, I'll almost always leave here humble. God showed humility. He 
humble enough to release himself of his position in heaven, according to Philippians 2, and die upon a cross so that you might have eternal life. And if he did that, we should be willing to do that. If Jesus denied his role, came to serve others, and served others as a perfect example of humility, then that's our commission too. We have to be like Jesus to reach the people who aren't like Jesus. If you'll talk to most people who don't know him, they'll complain about people in the church. I don't go to church because such and such. I got some church hurt. It's because we have, we have assumed our role and spoken where we shouldn't have. We didn't walk in service, giving up our own rights and privileges or our understanding of our own rights and privileges. And we didn't walk humbly towards them. Fact of the matter is they they weren't church hurt, they were people hurt. But we can do better. We have to become less so they can become greater. That's my favorite verse. You guys know this. This most of you know that. John three thirty. John the Baptist is talking and Jesus comes on the scene and he sees Jesus. And essentially he said, that's him. He said, he must become, I must become less. He must become greater. John the Baptist understood that even though his ministry was thriving, his ministry wasn't about him, it was about Jesus. And so he minimized himself so Jesus might be glorified. But here's the thing, it's, it's really the reason why I love this verse is because the opposite is true too. That Jesus, looking at John the Baptist, had to be thinking the same thing. There he is. I must become less so he can become greater. I'm going to have to go to a cross. I'm going to have to be blasphemed. I'm going to have to be hated by men. I'm going to have to have the skin ripped off of my bones. I'm going to have to be nailed to a tree. I'm going to have to take on the sins of the world so that he can become greater than he could ever be was I not willing to do what I've been called to do. And that's what we are called to do too. Become less so others can become greater. And we do that as a commissioned people by dismissing our role, by walking in service and in humility and praying that God give us opportunity. Amen.